during this uh, season of Lent, we're reflecting together on uh, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And today, we're going to be considering that petition, Hallowed Be Your Name. And our scripture today is from Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. It's found on page 848 uh, in your Bibles. And as we prepare to hear God's word, let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, now as we hear your word, fill us with your spirit. Soften our hearts so that we might delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds so that we would be able to discern your truth and shape our wills so that we may desire and might live in your ways. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants you've ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands and you put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Even though the United States broke away from Britain, we have a certain fascination with royalty. Millions woke up early to watch the highly anticipated wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. A TV show like The Crown attracts a U.S. audience of about 3 million. And even President Obama got in on the act when Prince Charles and Camilla visited in 2015. He noted, American people are fond of the royal family. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're acknowledging the great royalty of God. Now, we may not be sure what hallowed means, but it is a good place to start. Jesus begins his prayer by honoring God for all he is and for all God does. The prayer that Jesus teaches us begins with God's glory. Jesus doesn't teach his disciples to, first of all, pray requests. That's where many of us begin our prayers. He doesn't even begin with thanksgiving for all that God has done. Jesus starts by adoring God. He begins his prayer in awe and reverence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's an interesting place to begin. In our largely secularized world, we have little room for God, let alone a God that we would put on a pedestal of honor. I mean, what does it mean to have a petition in awe of God when there is so little that wows us today? We've powered, we've mastered the power of the river, damming it up to produce electricity for light. How can we be in awe of a God who by his voice created light when all we have to do is flip a switch. 
We've reproduced life in a test tube. We've cloned sheep. We've used stem cells to bring life back to those who thought they'd lost it. What reverence would we have for life breathed in by the breath of God? We've transplanted lungs and hearts and even faces. We've replaced hips and knees and knuckles. There is so much science does with the human body. At times we can barely, we can barely manage a yawn. We've harnessed the power of nuclear reaction, both for our benefit and also for destruction. We could destroy the world with the push of a button. Who then fears God? Last week, we noted that the first line of the prayer addressing our Father in heaven. We dare to father, call Him Father because Jesus invites us to do so. He said it's all right. But this term of endearment, this beginning in warmth, is immediately followed with this petition, hallowed be your name. Maybe Jesus begins his prayer calling us to honor God because hallowing God's name was at the center of Jesus' mission. The foundation of Jesus' mission for his life is set out in the Hebrew Scriptures. In the book of Leviticus, the recurring phrase is, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Over and over, the people of Israel are called to imitate a holy God. And Jesus takes up this mission into his life. He lives his life to glorify God's name. We find it most clearly in Jesus' prayers in John 17. Daryl Johnson calls John 17 Jesus' other Lord's prayer. The night before his death, Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And then he adds, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus declares that he spent his life revealing God to the disciples so that they would know God. He lived and will die to see the Father's name glorified. In fact, as Jesus faces his impending death on the cross, he states that his death will be the way that God is glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, he says. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Dying will glorify Jesus. It will honor Him. But there's even more. Jesus says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Jesus came to earth to live and die for the Father's glory. Yeah, He came to bring the kingdom near. And he came to earth to do the will of the Father. But there's an even more crucial, more central reason that Jesus came to earth. He came to glorify the Father's name. And so Jesus starts his prayer with God's glory. He teaches us to pray a prayer that begins in awe and reverence for God. Here's where we start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, that doesn't mean that we presume to make God's name holy. Hallowed be your name recognizes God's holiness because God's name is holy. Our prayers don't add something to God. We pray this petition asking God to reveal the inherent glory of God's name. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We pray that God's name be hallowed 
Because name means God himself. You do realize, right, God's name is not God. Name stands for the person. It's like this mini personality profile. Many of the names we come across in the Bible work this way. For instance, Adam is the Hebrew word for ground. The first man is called Adam because he was made from the dust of the earth. His name reminds us that as humans, we're a created lot. We're mortal. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Isaac means laughter. His name stood as a constant reminder to Abraham and Sarah that when they fell on their faces in laughter, when God promised them a son. But we read the story and we come to see the delight that they have in Isaac's miraculous birth. The New Testament name for the disciple, Peter, means rock. At first, it seemed to be because he was always tripping all over himself. But then it becomes clear that Jesus was transforming this shifting sand of a person into a rock of faith on which the church could be built. So in the same way, name is God's character, his personality. You remember the story of uh, God calling Moses from a burning bush? He wanted Moses to lead the people out of Israel. So Moses asks God about his credentials. What if the people wonder who sent me, asks Moses. And God said, I am who I am. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God revealed a piece of his character to Moses that he would then reveal to Israel. I am. I will be there for you. I will be there with you. So hallowed be your name, we pray. And when we pray this, we pray that we want God to be seen as holy. We pray, God, holify your name. Help everyone to see your character, to see your true self. Let the whole earth see your majesty. God, make clear to all that you are precious and valuable. Make yourself known so that you'll be praised and honored, exalted and magnified. We pray, hallowed be your name, not because God's name isn't holy. We pray, holy be your name, because we desire that honor be given to God. Dallas Willard writes, let God's name be uniquely respected. Really, the idea is that his name should be treasured and loved more than any other, held in an absolutely unique position among humanity. Our universe is immense. Scientists will often wonder about life on other planets. They figure they've discovered some 1,000 other planets. And certainly, say scientists, in a galaxy over 300 billion stars, there must be more planets capable of sustaining life. So if there is a God, claim some scientists, why would God care about us? Psalm 8 envisions the psalmist out tending his sheep. He gazes up at the heavens, the moon and the stars God set in place. And he asks this question, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And the answer is different from anything scientists might conclude. They may look through their telescopes or study life in microscopes and see only little bits of carbon-based life. 
Psalm 8 concludes otherwise. The psalmist sees the vastness of God's whole creation and says, you've made them a little lower than the angels and you've crowned them with glory and honor. It's the majesty of humanity that reveals the glory, the holiness of God. We see how majestic God is when we consider how elevated humanity is in God's creation scheme. Lord, our Lord, says Psalm 8, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And God's name is majestic because God made us his own. Not only did God make us his own in creation, but more importantly, God made us his own through the mercy of Jesus. God shows us how much he cares for us, not only by elevating us to positions a little lower than himself, but also positions of royalty, but by lowering himself to be a servant. God's majesty is demonstrated in this, says the Bible, that Jesus humbled himself by becoming human and obedient to death on the cross. So in all the circumstances of life, and in every situation life throws our way, we say, hallowed be your name. Because by his name, God reveals himself. To hallow God's name means to acknowledge God for who he is as our great creator. To hallow God's name means to acknowledge the mercy of God that was revealed to us in Jesus Christ, in his life and ministry and death. The Heidelberg Catechism makes this clear in the first part of the answer to this question. It asks this, what does this first petition mean? And let's read the answer together. Hallowed be your name means, help us to really know you, to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. There is no other God like our God. There's no other God like the God who revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. There is no other God who is like the God who made us a little lower than angels. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Because God is, in, is worthy of all praise and honor and glory because of the awe that he's demonstrated in all of his works. And so we pray, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hallowed be your name. And God will make it happen. Because when we pray it, God acts. God is resolved to hallow his name. This position again, this petition again, it's not about what we do. We're asking God to do it. Father, you hallow your name. Not just in heaven, but hallow your name here on earth as it is in heaven. And God will. In fact, God is determined to work through us so that all will see the majesty of his name. God reveals the majesty of his name through our work. Notice our assignment is described in Psalm 8. We're made a little lower than the angels to be rulers over the works of God's hands. God has appointed us to be responsible for the wonder of his creation. The majesty of God's name is tied to the work we do 
as caretakers, as earth keepers. God establishes us on earth to tend it, to enjoy it, to use our skills so that creation and all who live in it may flourish. I don't know if you had the chance to be here last night. Uh, There was a soup supper going on. That's what it means for us to use our skills to tend the earth so that all may flourish. I mean, I don't know if you knew what you could do with kale, but what was done with kale in those soups last night was pretty amazing. I don't know if you knew what could be done with potatoes, but what was done with potatoes last night in those soups was pretty amazing. That shows not only the wonder of our skills, our culinary abilities, but more importantly, the Psalm 8 says that shows the majesty of God. So when we make good soups and people eat them and we are enjoying them and all of us flourish by it, Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Of course, here's the problem. Rather than promote the wonder of God, we too often hide God. Rather than honor God by the way we care for creation, we can dishonor God. We can dishonor God by our abuse of water, air, soil, and so forth. John Calvin once said, For holiness always dwells and permanently remains in God. But people obscure it by their malice and depravity, or dishonor and pollute it by sacrilegious contempt. See, what John Calvin is trying to get at here is that God has made us to mirror Him. There's nothing that we do to add to God's glory. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're not expecting to shine a bright light on God because that light is already there. God's holiness shines like the sun. And any light that we might bring to that, it's like a dim 40-watt bulb, a, a little flashlight, a small candle. What could we add to God's brightness? Nothing. God's work of creation and redemption, offering us new life in Jesus and by the Holy Spirit, are what display to us the brilliance of God's majesty, the brilliance of God's holiness. It's like this unbelievable spotlight. So when we're at our best, what we do is we reflect the brilliance of God. Like a planet reflects the brilliance of the sun as it makes its orbit. So our lives reflect the brilliance, the wonder, the awesomeness of God as every part of our lives orbits God and His Word in all we do and all we say. But at our worst, we obscure the brilliance of God. When we fail to rightly represent God in the creation or in the world, We obscure God's brilliance. When we make life all about us, we mask God's brilliance so the world cannot know and honor God's name. The Heidelberg Catechism points to our responsibility in the the second half of its answer. Again, the question is, what does the first petition mean? And then in the second half of the answer, it says this. Let's read it together. It should be out there. There we go. And it means, help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, 
so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. See, there's so much at stake in this simple line of this prayer. Maybe the prayer of a young girl captures it best. She was praying her thanks for all the good things that she had. She was praying her petitions for all her family, her mother, her father, her grandparents, her brother and sister. And she prayed for some of the trouble spots in the world. She asked God to help her in school and with her friends. But then she prayed this. But most of all, God, she said, most of all, God, take care of yourself. Because without you, we'd all be sunk. Without God, we'd all be sunk. Our deepest need is for God to be God. And so we pray, hallowed be your name. God, do whatever it takes to be who you are. God, act in whatever way is necessary because nothing will go right for us unless we recognize your greatness and your goodness. Help us to know you, God, because in knowing you, we get clearer on who we really are. God, do what it takes to hallow your name. Because if God's name is not hallowed, our moral compass will always be pointing in the wrong direction. And we will profane the name of God wherever we go. If God's name is not honored, the world doesn't stand a chance of being made right. And you write once noted that as sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, we want to pray and we need to pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. That is, may you be worshipped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, disfigurement, sin, and death. And may your name be hallowed. So we begin in prayer glorifying God. We begin by praying that God would be real to us in all God's fullness. We need the living God to act true to his name. And we need to make sure that by our actions we're not profaning God's name. And so we pray, God, act for your name's sake. Because without you, we'd all be sunk. Be all that you have received, revealed yourself to be. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Now I'd like to close with a, a prayer exercise. It's called praying back the names of God. We had a great example of it in Jeff's prayer this morning. We pray the names or the titles or the images that God has revealed to us and all the implications of these names. So we ask God to be present in our lives and in the world in the ways that are true to the way he's revealed himself, true to his name. So, for example, we can pray to God, my rock of refuge. And to pray this back to God means we ask God to be strong in our lives where we are weak. To protect and strengthen us when we are facing major challenges. Or we might pray to God, the great I am. And to pray this back means asking God to be there with us and for us. To be present with us as God in our lives with all that he is. We could pray to our creator God. To pray this back to God, we ask God who brought fullness and order out of chaos in the beginning to bring order to our lives that can sometimes feel to be such a mess. Get rid of the mess, we say, and create in us a great living. 
And then here's a way to pray back to God, our shepherd. We could say, oh God, our great shepherd of Israel, lead us beside still waters. Give us the rest we need where we've made our lives too frantic. Show yourself to us as the one who quiets our souls, who stills our lives, who brings us peace. So you can take any name of God and you can use it to pray back that name or that title or that image of God. We pray back the various ways that God has revealed himself to us. And we do it to honor God. We do it to hallow God's name. And we discover that the one who taught us to pray so boldly really ends up being the answer to our prayer. So I'd like you to take a moment right now. You can look at the names of God that are on the screen. Uh, Select one of those names or images. And then hold that image in your mind. And pray that God would reveal himself in this way into your life, into your circumstances. So now in silence, why don't you pray back the name of God that you've selected. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you manifest all that your name means? Make your name holy in my life, in our church, in this city, in our country, in this world, in my workplace, in my school, in my neighbor's life. Our Father, glorify your name in all the earth. Amen.